Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning, y'all. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover program. Happy Saturday morning to you. Um, that's been warm this week, and I'm <clears throat> not complaining, but uh, I was at a customer's house this week, and his rusty black haw viburnum tree was starting to bloom, which is about a month early. So that's not great. Um, because if we get another freeze, those little tiny flower buds could freeze and burn and then he won't get the flowers this year. So I noticed my neighbors across the street have, they have a flowering, some Texas quince, flowering quince shrubs and they were already in full bloom. Are any of your uh, fruit trees blooming or your redbud trees maybe? Text me or call and let me know at 512-836-0590. I'm Colleen Dieter and I am a landscape consultant here in Austin at atxgardens.com. And I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. So you can check out my website, and that's what I do. I come over to people's homes and give them advice about their yards for folks who are do-it-yourselfers. It's a lot of fun. And uh, all those fruit trees and redbud trees and Texas mountain laurels and some of the real early flowering shrubs, they hold their flowers, flower buds, all winter. And when it gets cold outside, um, they have hormones through their whole bodies that inhibit their growth. And a combination of hours of cold weather and then mixed with an onset of warm weather, degrades those hormones. And when those hormones are degraded from their bodies, that's when they decide to bloom. So uh, that's why you'll see some early blooming sometimes when the weather is a little warm in February. So yeah, let me know if Y'all are seeing any fruit trees blooming early this year. 512-836-0590. I can answer any of your questions about your yard. Um, Fruit trees, trees, I'm a certified arborist. Um, I can answer vegetable gardening questions too. Uh, Anything about the landscape, lawns, etc. Um, let's see, you know, hard to believe, but spring is right around the corner. Um, and a lot of plants 
sales, plant swaps, and so forth are going to start up here soon in March. And um, I run a group called Central Texas Seed Savers that I volunteer for. And uh, some of my friends from Central Texas Seed Savers are holding a seed swap on March 2nd, the Grow Local Field Day down in Luling. Uh, they're going to have a seed swap down there as well as sounds like garden speakers and uh, all kinds of gardening related fun all day on March 2nd. It's going to be in Luling at the station, which is at 102 Pierce Street. That's all day. Uh, March 2nd, Grow Local Field Day. Seed Swap in Luling at the station at 102 Pierce Street. I think it said it was going to kick off around 10, 10 a.m. Nope, 9, 9 a.m. Sounds like it gets started. Presenters throughout the day, information booths for seed sharing programs, plant sharing programs, and growing above ground gardens. Ooh, raised bed gardens. That'll be fun. So check it out, March 2nd. That's the Grow Local Field Day at the station in Luling. Gets kicked off at 9 a.m. Sounds like it's going to go all day at the station, 102 Pierce Street. So that's going to be a good time, y'all. Okay, we've got uh, Terry on the line from Georgetown. Good morning, Terry. You're on the good, you're on the air. Good morning. Um, I have a question about a pecan tree. I just bought one at a nursery, oh. and they told me to put comp- compost in the hole when I put the dirt back in. But when I look online, I'm seeing it says don't add anything to the native dirt when you re- put the dirt back in. Well, Terry, it's. Uh, varies for a pecan tree that you bought at the nursery. Um, I would, I would add a little compost in this situation for fruit and nut trees. They're heavy feeders. So I like to give them a little compost and, um, it's more for the shade trees like oaks, um, where you don't want to add anything back into the soil unless the soil is really, really compacted from construction or something like that. So, okay, well, yeah. she said put like a 40-pound bag to use about three-fourths of that bag to mix in. Okay, um, how big is your pecan tree? Uh, 15 gallons, I think. Oh, it's a 15-gallon? Okay, Terry. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think if you get about... <clears throat> I, what I would do is sort of like a one-third to two-thirds ratio, so... Add one-third compost to two-thirds soil back into the hole. Yeah, and with a pecan tree that came in a 15-gallon bucket, um, it's going to have girdling roots. So did they talk to you about that at the nursery at all? No. Okay, pecan trees are known for having a really long taproot. Um. And that's when they first sprout from the little pecan. Uh, they send a long root down uh, into the soil. 
And so they don't grow great in containers for that reason. So when you take it out of the container um, to plant it, look for those a big root that's like wrapping around the perimeter of the container and cut it. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, look for that because in the long term with a tree that lives as long and gets as big as a pecan tree does, when you have that big root wrapping around uh, the rest of the root ball, it, as uh-huh. it ages, it will strangle itself. Okay. And do yeah. I rinse any of the dirt off of the root ball or just, or do I slice no. any of the little roots? Um, a lot of arborists recommend, and I, I would do this if it were my pecan tree, I would rinse off the soil and straighten out as many roots as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Almost to the point where to the point where it's almost a bare root tree. And typically, nut trees, fruit, and nut trees are best sold bare root, uh, with okay. no soil and no container. So yeah, a lot of uh, research has shown that the trees do better with that kind of corrective root pruning at at planting time. It's new research and it feels kind of radical, but um, yeah, if I were there with you planting the tree, I would say take that container off, lay the tree on the, on its side and rinse off all that soil and then straighten and cut as many roots as you can so that they're not wrapping around. Um, okay. And then dig the hole because the tree, the hole's going to be a lot smaller <laughs> after you get done doing that. You don't have to dig as big a hole when you're planting the bare root tree then. Yeah, so that's called bare root when you when you take all the soil off. So only dig the hole as big as the roots stretch out? Yeah, yeah. And the most important thing to remember is to not plant the tree too deeply. So uh-huh. um, especially, did you get a particular variety of pecan tree? I got a mayhan and a mohawk. Yeah, so they're going to be grafted most likely. Yes, they are. So make sure you don't don't bury the graft too. That's really important. So make sure that um, you plant the tree at the same level where the soil was in the pot, and don't plant okay. it too low. Because sometimes if you research, people will tell you to bury the graft, but that's for places where it's cold further north. Well, we could just mark it before we take the dirt off, Absolutely. right? That is a wonderful idea, Terry. Okay. You got a gold and star. so <laughs> it's not going to be a super wide hole like it was supposed to be super wide. After, yeah. Supposed to You'll see when, the, when you spread the roots out, um, when you plant a bare root tree, you do end up digging still a pretty wide hole because the roots will be so long. And you're going to want to have the roots kind of straightened out, growing, growing out like kind of like a spokes on a wheel, except they'll be going down into the soil. So, okay. yeah, so you're not going to get it perfect. So don't, you know, stress out about it. Do the best you can. And will that taproot be longer than three feet? Um, you should cut it because it's there's okay. no way... It, it, the taproot will probably be so big around that you won't okay. be able to straighten it out. 
because yeah, it's okay. you know like a big chunk of wood. So you're going to okay. probably end up cutting that one and then straight uh-huh. straightening out all the other ones. Okay, mm-hmm. I have one more question then. Sure, Terry. My husband always digs the hole by putting water in it and digging it so it's really sloppy wet. But yeah. when I read online, it says you don't want to dig in wet dirt. Right. Yeah, dig the hole first, uh, plant the tree, backfill it, use your foot just to lightly press the soil down, and then water it real well. And then if you need to fill it, if you need to fill it again, if it sinks, you know, like if it, if you have holes uh, where the, the soil sank down, um, go ahead and fill in a little bit more. Well, he says it's too hard to dig it dry. Well, did you get rain last night? Yes. Go for it. Okay. Okay, Terry. I got to go to a break, but thanks so much for your call. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey y'all, good morning. This is Colleen Dieter. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. And uh, check out my website to see how I can help you, atxgardens.com. And today I'm answering all your gardening questions Call me or text 512-836-0590. And uh, let's see here. Got some texts coming in. I want to tell you all about March 3rd. There's going to be a seed swap at the VFW post uh, in Oak Hill. My friend Lee told me about it. uh, So I thought I'd share it on the show with you all. Planting day and plant swap. Oh, it's a plant swap. Not just seeds, but plants too. That's cool. March 3rd, planting day and plant swap from 2 to 4. VFW4443 Community Garden at 7614 Thomas Springs Road. They'll be putting their first plants into the beds and hosting their second quarterly plant swap. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right, now we've got Carol on the line from Northwest Austin. Carol, you're on the air. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a couple of more than a couple of plants that froze during the uh, freeze uh, we just recently had. I tried to protect them, but it didn't work. Okay. Uh, they look pretty terrible. A plumbago and a mm-hmm. pink jasmine. Mm-hmm. Uh, any chance those roots might still be alive or they might come back? Yes. Um, plumbago is pretty reliably uh, perennial here. So it's mm-hmm. normal for the tops to freeze during the winter and then they grow back from the ground in the spring. Okay, good. Um, the pink jasmine could go either way. Um if you tried covering it, uh, then it's more likely that the roots will be okay and it'll grow back in the spring. Okay, so even if yeah. the uh, stuff on top, uh, if it looks like I have to cut yeah. it off eventually, the yeah. roots may still grow back. Huh? Absolutely. 
Okay, yeah. when would I, what time of year would I expect them, like uh, April? Not until April, yeah, yeah, not That's until little, April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, my Primrose Jasmine got a little burnt, too. I imagine mm-hmm. that'll come back. Yes, Primrose Jasmine usually comes back, uh, okay. And but we've had... You know, four bad winters in a row now where the primrose jasmines just keep getting uh, burned like that. And yeah. so um, I've seen some around town that are just slowing down where they're not they're not able to grow back very well anymore. Poor babies. I know, I know. So I know some of my customers have been replacing theirs with other things because uh, they just aren't looking good. Well, they grow um, so fast, though. Yeah. Uh, what's a good replacement? Something that's, uh, if they don't come back, a good uh, replacement for that jasmine? I like abelias. Oh, yeah. My mm-hmm. abelias did well. Yep. Yeah. I think they're real similar in their shape and size and bloom bloom even more. So I like abelias for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for your help. Thanks, Carol. Thanks for your call. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, y'all. Um, it's that time of year. Uh, you know, if you're not sure about some of your plants, there's a lot of plants, the majority of plants that, you know, die back in the freeze will grow back from the ground in the, in the spring. So don't be too discouraged. It's not anything that you did wrong. There's just a whole class of plants called perennials that, uh, it's normal for the tops to die in the winter and then they grow back from the ground in the spring and they bloom you know, spring, summer, fall, uh, and then they, the tops die back again when in, there's a freeze in the winter, and then they grow back again in the spring, and it happens year after year after year. That's what a perennial is, and uh, it's totally normal, um, and that's a really common uh, question that I get from my customers, and a mistake that I see people make because they think that they did something wrong, that the plants died. Um, and they're not dead. Uh, a lot of them are going to grow back from the ground, like Zexmenia, plumbagos, shrimp plants, uh, wood mallows. Um, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, all the sages, Henry Dulberg sage, mealy blue sage, the mystic spires, indigo spires, amistad sages, Mexican bush sage, all those guys. They'll be back, so don't worry. Um, so let's see here. I know we've got a bunch of texts I haven't been able to read yet. Um, here's someone saying, um, oh, hi, Colleen. I'm having problems finding a source for buying corn gluten meal. Do you know of a source? Thanks, says Jack. Um, usually I would head over to Natural Gardener for that, and it's definitely time. Um, Natural Gardener in Oak Hill, it's always a nice little field trip. Um, you know, you can't go wrong. Even if they're out or they don't have it, it's always beautiful just to go there and walk around. I'm a little distressed, Jack, because, um... I've been seeing more and more of our local nurseries not carrying organic staples like corn gluten anymore and uh, more and more chemicals coming into the nurseries and I don't like it. Um, 
And unfortunately, for that reason, I've been having to source some things on Amazon. And I don't like that at all. I'd rather shop local, but I am having some trouble finding organic stuff at some of the nurseries these days. But Natural Gardener is always organic, um, and you can't go wrong over there. So check out Natural Gardener. Um, and if nothing else, you get it from Amazon. Um, and it's it's a good time to use corn gluten. It's getting a little late now. Um, December is a good time for corn gluten. Corn gluten, y'all, for, for those of you who don't know, um, is a pre-emergent herbicide. So what it does is it prevents weed seeds from sprouting. So you want to use it before the seeds sprout. Um, and it's really good for like cracks and walkways uh, or um, lawns. It's great for lawns. But uh, I got to be honest with you, when I use it, you, you have to put it on heavier than what the bag says. When you follow the directions on the bag, I used to end up using like twice as much, and it's a lot more effective that way. And it is from corn. It's a byproduct of the corn milling process that uh, prevents seed from sprouting. So good luck, Jack. Thank you so much for, you know, really trying to go organic. Uh, don't use weed and feed. Uh, the weed and feed is extremely polluting. And it's a big waste of money. Doesn't work uh, because in Austin we can't use pre-emergent and fertilizer at the same time. It doesn't make sense to weed and feed at the same time. We're, those two things don't happen at the same time here. <clears throat> so stick with the organics and the corn gluten is a really great solution. And uh, let's see here. Someone asked, uh, maybe you can talk about what we can be doing in the vegetable garden now. What, we, what can we plant from seeds and transplants? So it's kind of a funny time of year for the vegetable garden um, because it's in between seasons a little bit. And uh, I just got the first uh, availability list from the wholesale growers for tomatoes. <laughs> so you guys can expect to see tomatoes in the nurseries next week. Because I saw Gabriel Valley Farm up there in Georgetown had their wholesale availability list was chock full of tomatoes. It's early for tomatoes. Um, but if you're one of those people that loves to get early, early tomatoes, uh, they're going to be out there and you got to cover them. You got to give them a lot of protection. But uh, I know that that's kind of a, a thing a lot of gardeners like to do is see how early they can get the tomatoes going. So um, radishes, as always, you could plant this time of year. I think less is good. Um, I'm going to look up the chart here during the commercial break and we'll have more when we come back. Thanks. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, good morning, gardeners. 
This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. I am a landscape consultant and certified arborist at atxgardens.com. Check it out. I can come over and give you advice about your yard, anything that's stressing you out. Um, I can help you, and I'm answering questions this morning. You can call me or text me, 512-836-0590. Okay, so one of the most fun things about this show is that folks can text in. And um, one listener texted before the break asking where to get corn gluten. Yeah, they're having trouble finding it locally. And someone else texted in and said Hill Country Water Gardens has it. And, of course, they're one of the show sponsors, and that's a wonderful place, beautiful place to visit um, up in Cedar Park. Go check out Hill Country Water Gardens. They've got corn gluten meal, according to this other um, listener. So thanks for contributing that. That's really cool. Um, Someone else asked where to get more information about the seed swap on March 2nd. It was 102 Pierce Street. You are correct at the station in Luling. Um, and the website that I got the information from is thestationltx.com. Thestationltx.com. LTX, Luling, Texas. Okay. So y'all check that out. That sounds fun. I'll probably make my way down there in the afternoon after the radio show and after breakfast tacos. Probably head down to Luling for that event. Sounds really fun. And I'll uh, meet up with uh, David Johnson down there and say hi to him. He's a longtime volunteer with Central Texas Seed Savers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, some other great fun advice from another listener about the pecan tree, uh, that our, uh, listener called in about our call was about planting a new pecan tree that came in a 15 gallon pot. And, um, this person is suggesting to soak the, uh, the roots in a solution of super thrive root stimulator after trimming. Um, that's from Jeffrey in Southwest Austin. I, yeah, I like that step a lot. Um, Super Thrive can help plants get through stressful times. Um, so if you've got some Super Thrive or you've an easy way to go and grab some Super Thrive, uh, it's really great. Even if you don't have Super Thrive today while you're planting the pecan trees, um, you can get some Super Thrive and then water the pecan trees with it later. Um, Super Thrive is, uh, it's, it sounds so silly to say it, uh, it's vitamins. I'm pretty sure it's vitamin B. They don't really say what it is, but um, it, it can help the plants get through stressful times. And almost every landscaper in Austin loves using Super Thrive because it really does perk the plants up right away after um, planting. But I, I always forget about it, and I haven't used it in a long time. So thanks for that suggestion, Jeffrey. Um, Jeffrey also suggests fish emulsion, molasses, and seaweed, um, and drenching 
the root balls with that after planting. Uh, and then don't forget to mulch. Yes, always mulch after planting. Make sure you use some mulch. So this is so fun to have everybody sharing their wisdom here on the show. Um, let's see. Someone else asked if you're planting a pecan tree, um, should you cut the top off of it? And I, I think for pecans, I would say no. Um, kind of depends on what you're, where you are and what you're doing. Um, I told this listener over text not to, not to cut the top off the pecan tree, but there's, it's a hard question to answer. With fruit trees like peaches, plums, pears, and apples, you really are supposed to cut the top off of the tree when you plant it. And it's really hard for folks to do. Um, but the trees, they don't grow correctly if you don't. But with a pecan, it's different. And because they get so big uh, over time, if you cut the top off, it can cause all kinds of defects um, that can cause the tree to fall apart as it ages. And so it really depends on where you're planting it and what the, point, what the purpose is of the pecan tree. So if you're planting pecan trees way out in the field, and you're wanting to harvest the tree, the pecans, and you want the pecan tree to be shorter, um, you could cut the top off, but it's going to shorten the life of the tree because it's going to create defects that will cause the pecan tree to fall apart as it gets older. Um, with fruit trees, we want them to stay shorter. We want them to have a lot of lateral branches, um, and they don't live real long anyway um so it's a real complicated question to answer but i i don't think i would ever cut the top off of a pecan tree under any circumstances but i could kind of understand why someone might if it was far away from any buildings or anything where it might fall apart when it ages so okay here's a text that i love the question is, do you prune nectarine trees? And the answer is yes. Um, so for sure, if you're planting them brand new, and uh, especially if they're if you buy them bare root, which is the best way to get a new fruit tree, especially at this time of year, bare root fruit trees are going to do the best. Um, so... Yeah, if you're doing it at planting time, it's a good idea to take the top third or a top half of the tree off um, and cut all of the branches back to little stubs. So, uh, and then it's getting to be fruit tree pruning time. It really is. Y'all could start pruning your fruit trees now. Um, January, February is fruit tree pruning time for your older trees. Um, basically what I like to do with nectarine trees is to clear out the interior of the tree so that there's no crossing branches growing back into the middle of the tree. Okay. And, um, that way you're getting airflow and light penetration into the middle of the tree because all the fruit trees are susceptible to lots of bugs and diseases. And you want to make sure that you're getting airflow and light 
in the middle of the tree. Uh, so that way uh, you're preventing diseases by keeping the top of the tree dry. And um, you also want to reduce the ends of the branches so they don't get overextended when they're holding fruit uh, because they can uh, fall apart <laughs> if they're holding a lot of fruit and the branch is real, real long. Um, it can rip the branches off. So, uh, and you can control the size of the tree so that you won't need a ladder to climb the tree to pick the fruit. And uh, let's see here. Here's Bob and Lakeway on the phone. Good morning, Bob. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Um, I have several uh, fruit trees. I've got a couple of peaches, a couple of pears, a couple of apples, a couple of figs. Yeah. And what I am wondering about is what type of fertilizer, liquid like has to grow or um, mm. um, a uh, dry, and then also mm -hmm. a, you know, what kind of fertilizer and what uh, and how often do these trees uh, do it? And also, does each one need a different type of uh, fertilizer, or can I have one common? One for all of them. Bob, great question. Generally, you'll need the same kind for all the fruit trees. Um, it's a really smart idea to do a soil test to find out what exactly you need for the soil. But in general, um, any kind of compost is going to help. Um, compost is the most important thing. Uh so using like a, a thin layer of compost around the root zone of each tree um, can really help just an inch or two thick and some mulch on top of that. And then um, in general, I like to use a, a fertilizer, dry fertilizer called Espoma Citrus Tone. Um, and it's made for citrus trees, but it's, it's really good for all kinds of fruit trees. How did you, how would you spell that? It's called, it's Espoma, E-S-P-O-M-A. Espoma is the brand and it's called Citrus Tone. And uh, I like that brand of fertilizers a lot. So yeah, and while when you're pruning is a great time to be adding some compost and some fertilizer to get them ready to come out and bloom in the spring. So that would be right now. That's right now. Yep. Okay. And, yeah. and uh, after that, how often? Oh, um, when would you, do you it know now? what, Bob? I'm going to look it up because I have a fruit tree calendar that I use. And we've got to go to the break. So I'm going to look it up and I will tell you after the break. Sounds good. All right, Bob. Thanks for your call. Bye. Bye. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Y'all, good morning. Hey, this is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And I want to follow up on a couple of questions I started to talk about before our commercial breaks. And um, one was when... Do you fertilize fruit trees? You do it now at pruning time. <clears throat> and now is pruning time. Okay, prune your fruit trees around this time of year, January, February. Give them some compost, at least compost and mulch. Um, 
and a little fertilizer, get a soil test, get more information, and it'll really save you a lot of grief if you get a soil test and you know what to add. Because everybody's soil's a little bit different, and you can mess it up. Um, okay, so do that. And then June, when they're a lot of them are putting on fruit at that time. Um, so do another round of fertilizer at that time. And then again, I like to do it in August when they're oop, getting ready to um, drop their leaves. They're getting ready for winter. Um, and they'll have a nice gentle feeding to help their roots through the winter because their roots are still somewhat active in the winter time. So um, that's the schedule that I like. And uh, let's see, I am getting a ton of texts and we're in the last uh, part of the show here. So I may not get to all of y'all, but hopefully I'll be able to write down some of these questions and get you in next week. Um, so someone earlier had asked, what can we plant right now in the vegetable garden? And I always bring up the uh, handy dandy vegetable garden planting guide for Travis County from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Master Gardeners. Um, uh, my vegetable garden lives and dies by this calendar. So if y'all have never seen this, you really need to get a copy of it. I have a laminated copy hanging in my shed. Uh, so that way I always can look at it because it's impossible to remember. Um, and, you know, I have an awesome memory, <laughs> but it's not this good. So actually, I was really surprised looking at it just now at how many things we could plant in February in the vegetable garden. Um, I thought not a whole lot, but there's there's a lot of options for things to plant right now in February. So you can do asparagus crowns. It's time for asparagus crowns, beets. Broccoli from transplants, cabbage from transplants, cauliflower from transplants. Okay. Um, you can do chard from seed or transplants. Boy, I really like the yellow and orange stemmed ones. The Swiss chard. Oh, yum. Just makes me, th every time I think of Swiss chard, I think of lasagna. Oh, putting Swiss chard in lasagna. It's wonderful. Okay. Collards, I love, love, love. Um, and you can do seeds or transplants right now. Uh, looks like kale, uh, kohlrabi, which is such a fun thing to grow because uh, you can't really get it at the store, you know, and that's all part of the fun of vegetable gardening, you know, is growing stuff that you can't get elsewhere. Leeks, one of my favorite things to grow. I love all the onion family stuff and leeks. It's time now for seeds or transplants. Lettuce, mustard. Um, my God, mustard's so easy to grow, y'all. If you've never grown mustard greens, all you have to do is drop some seeds on the ground and walk away. Um, I, I accidentally uh, spilled a bunch of seeds one time and got a huge crop of mustard. And, of course, my radishes. So here we go. We've got um, Denise and Elgin on the line. Denise. Hi, Denise. You're on the air. Hi. 
Um, I have a, a quick question. I hope it's quick. I have an evergreen wisteria. It uh, blooms oh. the crimson red in the late fall, yeah. but it has not bloomed the last two years. I, I do have clay soil. It is in full sun, no shelter from any direction. It's just out in the open on a trellis. And I'm wondering if I should move it or if there's something I should amend the soil with. Huh. Okay, Denise, there's a couple of different things that can cause that problem. Um, one is pruning at the wrong time. So I've never pruned it. Oh, you've never pruned it? No. Okay. Um, hmm. I wonder. But it dies back to the ground every year. Oh. That's odd. So it, it, the fact that it gets the strong north wind and the full sun all day, is, is that a problem? Is that a desirable place or do yeah. I need to, to move it somewhere? You probably need to move it then. I mean, they really <laughs> are supposed to be evergreen and I can't, I don't have a ton of experience with them, but the ones that I have had experience with never died back. They were always evergreen. Um, so I think you may need to move it to a place that's a little bit warmer if you can protect it from the north wind. And that's probably why it's not blooming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Denise, I'm sorry about that. So what kind of soil, uh, should I, when I move it, what, what do I need to do to my soil that it would be happier? Oh, it should be fine in the soil that you would have down in Elgin. Um, you can always amend with some compost at planting time and make sure it's mulched. But yeah, I think if you can protect it from the north wind and have it on the south side of a building where there's going to be more warmth, um, radiant heat to keep it warm in the winter so that it doesn't die back every year, then I think you'll have more success. Okay. Thank you very okay, much. I you're appreciate welcome, the help. Denise. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I have not ever heard of um, the evergreen wisterias dying back before. Uh, they're kind of an unusual plant. You don't see them that often. And uh, yeah, the ones I've always seen have always been pretty reliably evergreen. So yeah, I'd like to learn more about that and find out. And let's see here. We've got a slew of text messages, y'all. Let's see. I'm sorry if I don't get to you before the end of the show. Um, Jeffrey in Southwest Austin chimed in again, and he said, Callahan's has had corn gluten in the past. Yeah, um, Callahan's is a pretty reliable place for stuff like that. Uh, make sure you use Google Maps to get there now that they built the toll road in front of Callahan's. It's, you'll end up driving in circles for a little while to get to Callahan's these days, but it's still worth it. It's a lot of fun. Last time I went into Callahan's, there was a band playing, and it made it so much fun uh, shopping there. And then uh, let's see here. Somebody said... I've grown beets a couple of times, and they end up half out of the ground and very small. Am I planting the seeds too shallow or not enough fertilizer? Can't figure it out. Great show, by the way. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for your text, and thank you for the compliments. I uh, thrive on compliments. Compliments are my fertilizer. Um, 
No, with beets, um, you want to make sure. I think the problem there is probably one of two things or maybe a combination of two things. If you're planting them too close together, they'll do that. You really need to make sure there's enough space between them. So what I do, um, and a friend of mine just asked me the same question about carrots. So with all those little root crops, you need to make sure there's enough space between them to get big enough. They need about four inches between them. And the seeds are so small, it's hard to do. You have to thin them. And so make sure there's at least four inches between them. And then you've really got to loosen up the soil a lot um, at planting time to make sure the soil is nice and soft and fluffy so the roots can get down into the soil. If the soil's too hard, then they'll bulge up out like that and they won't get to grow the way that they want to. Um, so soft, fluffy soil is really important for root vegetables. Growing turnips first before you grow other root vegetables is a good way to get the soil loosened because turnips are unstoppable. And the turnips will help loosen up the soil real good. That's an old-timey trick. So, y'all, that's it for this week. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com and the Horticulture Hangover Show. See you next week. Thanks.